Alright, what's hey, going on, hey. America? Uh, I want to prepare you for this episode. This is going to be an amazing episode. Uh, I am. We have an interview with Pastor Rob McCoy, and this title of this episode is um, Faith Over Fear, or What Faith Over Fear Actually Means. I don't know. We'll work it out before you you listen to it, but, but Pastor Rob McCoy is going to tell his story because he's one of the very few pastors, very few pastors, that during COVID um, chose to believe in God over the government and refused to shut down and faced immense persecution over it, almost went to jail. I mean, all this stuff. And it's a powerful, powerful story, and, and I'm super excited for you guys to hear his story. But before we do that, I feel like I feel like I need to tell you a story here that happened just last night. So I'm not going to tell any names or anything like that, but just last night <clears throat> I am uh, meeting uh, a friend at a restaurant and a uh, grown man, grown man, big old dude, et cetera, and he's sitting at a bar top at a restaurant, and I, I meet him up there, and anyway, you know, hour, hour or so goes by, and um <clears throat> Something amazing just happened. You know, we're sitting there, we're talking about the Lord, talking about you know how I feel like the Lord is directing me in a different direction, et cetera, and talking about what, what I see going on and what I believe is an opportunity for God to move in America right now. And man, when I tell you something happened right there in that place, at that bar top, in this restaurant, this guy just breaks. And and I mean instant, just pow, like that. And, and within an instant, I'm looking at the Braves game while we're talking. And in an instant, like that, I turn. And this grown man is bawling in the middle of this restaurant. And I mean just broken ugly tear like broken bawling and i feel like most normal people would be like hey man <laughs> uh you need to you need to knock that off like people were staring at us you know kind of thing but it was so evident that the lord had a hold of this guy that i was not about to interrupt what was going on and some of you i realized that there are some people listening to this podcast that do not believe in Christianity, and that's fine, and that's fine. Uh, Rob McCoy's interview should intrigue you uh, because uh, there's a lot of you that are pro-America, right? And so you believe that Americans should have the right to worship, et cetera, and so you'll get to hear that thing. But first, I feel inclined to talk about this because, uh, you know, my goal is to not convert you to Christianity in this story, However, I would love for you to have your own encounter with the Lord, et cetera, but I got to tell you what happened at a bar top in this restaurant in the middle of South Carolina, this grown 300-pound man just broken like that, just pow, just hit with something and just bawling his eyes out and talking to me about how he knows God has a purpose in his life, but he just... 
he just has fought it and he's fought it and he's fought it and he's not worthy and and he's made so many mistakes and 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 why him why why does he feel this and so um i figured that i would lead all that into i guess i'm kind of talking to him but i'm also talking to you because there are some of you right now that are driving down the road and 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 you know that there's something in your life that you're not doing You know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time fully understand. Well, you know, Janet, who did understand, that would be real Americans and the people who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. They're protecting your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying their 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold. And it's not too late for you to take action now. Text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 for a free, no-obligation info kit now. To be blunt, if we're being blunt with a lot of people listening to this, you know for a long time that God's been pulling on you to do certain ways. So I found a couple scriptures, and ironically, one of them we're going back to from from yesterday, and it's Jeremiah 1.5, and it just talks about, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And last episode, we used this as context for why you can't be pro-choice and be, you know, a Bible-believing Christian, and it, but... To me, it goes so much bigger than that. In fact, there's even a clip, and maybe we can play that clip where I say, wow, that's so powerful. In fact, yeah, let's play that clip. Jeremiah 1, 5. Okay, here it is. Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. What does that mean? That means that God knew that your mom and your dad, be it if they're the best parents or not, God knew before the, I mean, this is a real show, right? Before the act of sex occurred and you were conceived in your mother's womb, God knew you and he knew that was going to happen. He knew the situations in which you were going to be conceived in your mother's womb. Good, bad, amazing, not so great, one night stand, horrible act of violence, whatever it was, God knew you before he formed you in the womb, okay? All right, we as people, we don't get to turn that around and fit that around. I mean, it's very clear. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Therefore, that means God knew exactly how you were going to be conceived, when you were going to be conceived, the moment it was going to happen. He knew who your daddy was. He knew who your mama was. And the same thing rolls over and over for them, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, their great-great-great-pappy, all of the above. He knew you before you even... He Man, it's powerful to think about it like that. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So before you were born, a plan and a purpose was put on your life. Anyway, so I said that right there because it hit me how powerful that statement was. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That means that, like we talked about in the last episode, that before your mom, your dad, before whatever situation happened where you were conceived, God knew exactly what your purpose was. He knew exactly his plans for you, etc. And so we go on in Jeremiah all the way to Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> so right off the back of before you were formed in the womb, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you in Jeremiah 1, 5, all the way to Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then if you read a little bit further, it says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place for which I sent you. Now, the context of that is, you know, that's Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. Um, but I still feel like it is relevant here because there's a lot of us who probably in context feel exiled at this current moment because we haven't been living in the direction that we know we're supposed to. We haven't been living in the direction that we know we're supposed to go. We haven't been doing what the Lord is pulling on our heart to do. And so we have been separated from God's purpose in our life. And we know it. You know it. Those listening right now that feel that, you know it. This guy at this bar stool watching a Braves-Mets game just broke because he knows that. If you go to Romans 8.28, this is my last Bible verse to work this in. Here we go. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And some other translations will say God works in all things for the good, i.e. the bigger purpose of God, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. I'm going to bring that back one more time. Jeremiah 1.5. We talk about this, right? How powerful is this? How powerful is the Bible that so many things work together, right? So Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Talked about how powerful that is. And then Romans 8.30 says, and those who he predestined, he also called. You have this burden in your heart right now for a reason. You have this burden in your heart because there is something there, man. There is something there that God's wanting to do inside of you. And I'm telling you right now, some of you may find that weird because I realize that we've got listeners that aren't Christians, but I am telling you that I am telling you that I am telling you that when you have an encounter with the Lord, it radically breaks you 
I'm talking grown man crying, man. And I've seen it so many times because when the Lord gets you, he's got you. And there ain't nothing you can do about it, man. You can be the toughest dude, toughest chick on the planet. It doesn't matter. When the Lord gets a hold of you, he breaks you just like that. And some people might find that weird, and I get it. I know. But it's something that you that every single person needs to experience in their life to surrender to what the Lord is calling upon you because God has a purpose for all of us, and it is powerful. It is beautiful. And I'll tell you the biggest thing about all of this. We're in this bar. Oh, it's not a bar. It's a restaurant. We're at the bar top in this bar. This guy is just breaking. We're sitting there. We're talking about the Lord, praying about it. And we're surrounded by people. And people notice. But it's not... The notice of, oh my gosh, that guy's had too much to drink. What is he doing? No, it was the notice of, because they heard me. I'm sitting there talking about Jesus loud at this point at the bar. Top, the bar top. I don't know why I keep saying a bar. It wasn't a bar, it was a restaurant, but we're sitting at the bar top. Even better a story, but <laughs> we're sitting at the <laughs> bar top. And I'm sitting there telling this guy, look, dude, Lord is saying something to you right now. You know, you need to lean into this. You need to, you need to hear what the Lord's telling you. You need to listen. People are hearing me talk about that. And guess what? Not a single person makes a gesture. Not a single person makes a snicker. Not a single person says anything. No, every single person in that restaurant, in that moment, knew whether they believe in God or not, they knew and they saw and they felt that something was happening. And what I've learned is this, even people that don't believe in God, when God gets a hold of somebody, everybody takes notice. Everybody pays attention. And that is the power of an encounter with the Lord. So, after telling that story, I think that listening to Pastor Rob McCoy's story about how he chose faith over fear is going to be even more impactful for you. Because at the end of the day, as Christians, our sole purpose in life is for people to have an encounter with the Lord. Now, that looks different for everybody, it does. But it's too important to let fear overtake the ultimate mission of being a Christian, especially a pastor. I hope that inspired you. I hope that spoke to you. If, if, if any of you are feeling that, Graham at DearAmericanMedia.com, please email me. I'd love to, you know, we'd love to hear your story. We, we, we would love to hear how God has worked in your life. Maybe we'll read it on air here. Maybe it will speak to somebody else. God's moving, people. He is. And whether you're a Christian or not, I understand. There's some people listening that don't believe this stuff. And, but, but I'm telling you, you're going to love hearing Pastor Brown McCoy's story because this is the most patriotic uh, Christian thing I've ever heard. And uh, I just felt like some of you needed to hear that. So we're coming up next. But before we do that, got to get into a sponsor. 
All right, guys. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. They squeeze you to offset their increasing cost, and honestly, it's a mess. Not Pure Talk, though. Nope. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop messing over every single American in the American public. That's why I switched to them. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get 50% off your first month when you make the switch today. All you got to do is go to puretalk.com and use the promo code G-R-A-H-A-M. That's my name, Graham, if you hadn't figured that out. The average family saves over 75 bucks a month. But if you need another reason, how about this? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs, not send them overseas to countries who don't like us or support us. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a United States veteran and with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, enter the promo code GRAHAM, and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter the promo code G-R-A-H-A-M. That's GRAHAM right now. All right, and without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Rob McCoy is in the house today. Thanks for being here, man. Oh, uh, Graham, I wouldn't miss it. And you bless me. You came on my program when I was a penny looking for change. I still am. You're in the book of who's who. I'm in the book of who's he. But no, thank you for, no, in, no, for no, including no, me no. on your program and so, all you do. No, man. So 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 thank you for everything that you've done. And 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 you know, obviously we've God's really worked with me a lot over the past several years now to 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 realize, and the audience knows this, I've talked about it a lot. Yeah. Um same job, different department. And what I mean by that is I realized through all my political things that I did and everything that politics or politicians or government wasn't the answer moving forward. Yeah. If we want to save this country, the only person that can save this country isn't a person at all. It's God. And so we've really shifted focus to more kingdom work, faith work stuff. And 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 we've really, some people would call it flamethrowing. We've really called out a lot of pastors that did not and still aren't doing the right things through government mandates, et cetera. Yeah. But you, on the other hand, did the exact opposite and you stood up in faith. So I, I just I want to hear your story a little bit about that and and everything that you guys went through during the lockdowns. And and then we'll go from there. Well, you're attributing it to faith. I just didn't want to be scoriated by you on the air. So that's why <laughs> we, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, no, no that's no, a I, horrible thing. <laughs> You know, pastors are, are peace-loving, and they, they're, they're mistaken thinking that peace is the absence of conflict. Right. Mm -hmm. Peace is the absence of conflict. It's the presence of Christ in the midst of the conflict. We're contending with ideologies that seek to enslave man. And liberty is not man's idea, it's God's idea. Right. And he's come to set the captives free. So I, I, I didn't know the severity of the virus. Right. We would later come to realize 99.7% survival rate. Oh, yeah. And, and the last variant of COVID <clears throat> is going to be totalitarianism. But the idea is when we were in the midst of it and the governor decides that abortion clinics are essential. Right. And in California, we don't just rip the baby apart and flush the parts into the sewer system. We harvest their organs before we do that. I mean, we're, we're, it's horrible. we're dark. Horrible. Mm. And then AB 2223, which is 28 days after birth. I mean, it's terrible what's happening in that state. But my point is this. He said that the abortion clinics were essential, cannabis distributors, liquor stores, but the church wasn't. 
I, I'm, I, I didn't need any more than that. I, I know the First Amendment. Congress shall right. make no law respecting the establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That, that, that was a prohibitive clause given by our founders saying to the most powerful branch of government that they elected, that held the purse strings, don't you dare get in the way of God and man and, and their relationship. Government doesn't have a role in that. Right. The purpose of government is to protect those inalienable rights. There's no virus that merits the suspension of our, our inalienable rights. So we opened, we, we faced fines, we, I was brought before the judge on contempt charges. Um, I mean, it was just on and on. It was, it was just a circus. Yeah. And uh, I didn't care. Right. And they said we're you know <clears throat> killing grandma and and you know we're we're spreading that we're super spreaders. We weren't super spreaders of the virus. It was a super spreading of courage. Right. Mm. But but I have to tell you, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear. I was scared to death. Absolutely. Yeah. When 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 we realized that they had they had given the order, um, and they said that me and a thousand congregants or visitors would be given a citation, and they wanted to lock the doors of the church, and it was going to be enforced that Sunday. I was up at uh, my in-law's lake house, <clears throat> had a terrible pain in my shoulder. I couldn't, I've never felt it like that before. I didn't have any relaxation up there. I'm with my son-in-law who works at our church. My wife's up there, my kids. I didn't sleep at all. I'm, I'm gonna fly back from the lake house to go to the service. Right. And uh, at the airport, I call the attorney and I said, look, I know you can't counsel me to break the law, but I need to know something. What will I lose if we open on Sunday? And I want you to just meticulously go through everything that's on the line. You lose your house, you lose a church, you're going to get this, this, and he goes all the way down. I said, is there anything else? He had a couple more. I had a legal pad full of consequences that would happen when I violate this restraining order. Wow. I looked at it and I said, I I'm going to be, I I'm intending to violate it. Will you defend me? He said, yes. I said, I got to make a call first. I called my wife. I said, honey, this is, this is what we're up against. And she said, let's do it. My kids were thrilled. The staff was in. Um, and then the last part is I called the landlord. And I said, I got a fiduciary responsibility to you. He goes, we gave that building to the church a long time ago. Go kick there. And he used an expletive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the coolest one was the elders. I said, look, you guys are going to lose everything I'm going to lose. And there was 15 of them. I said, you get two options. Tomorrow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to violate that restraining order. But it must be unanimous with all of you. Because I can't live with myself allowing a governor to tell the church it's non-essential. But... If it's not unanimous, there's an envelope in front of you. That's my resignation. And I understand. I, we're not going to be enemies. I'm just, I'm good. I'll move on. Right. It was <clears> unanimous. <throat> we contended with them. Wow. You punch the bully in the nose, they go away. And the next thing you know, uh, I'm in the news. We, we, we didn't do press releases or anything like that. And, and God opened the door for me to meet you, Graham. And then Charlie and... And, and I, my son introduced me to you, and I would listen to you and watch these things as you're just inspiring people for liberty and for truth and for this, this gift God's given us in America. And it's, it's, it's not strange to me that your show has taken this direction, understanding that the source of liberty is the Lord. Absolutely. And I, I, I want to say thank you for challenging the pastors. Um, and we're watching them come around. Yeah, no, no, I think so. And first of all, that story is incredible. And I know we could talk for three hours on that story alone, but... You know, we, we've been so inspired by your courage and everything because, unfortunately, I would argue 90, I'll give it 97% of churches did not do that. And and still to this day, we are seeing what I like to call uh, this woke Christianity overtaking our, our pastors and our churches. And by churches, I'm not talking about the what the church actually is, which is the people. I, I'm talking about the building, the four yeah. walls, the infrastructure. What is the answer? And, 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 and what I mean by that is 
this is what I feel, and I'd love to get your your idea. I feel that what is happening now is COVID and everything was was a exposure of what was already there, the problems within churches, but it's also the awakening of people that don't necessarily fit the mold of what people think a pastor looks like or an evangelist looks like or a church planner looks like, etc. I feel like we're going to see a new generation of people stand up that don't look or sound or appear like the people that you would imagine it to be. I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, I, I, I'm in agreement with you. Um, it, we, we've started Turning Point Faith where we're, yep. we're working with pastors and churches across the country standing for liberty. Absolutely. And, and, and the idea is we've got, re, we've got reformed five-point Calvinists. We've got swinging from the chandelier Calvinists. <laughs> yeah. We've got Anglicans, Catholics. I uh, was raised Assemblies of God. There so, you go. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, and and, and you, you put us all in a room together. It's the porcupine theory. You know, with pastors, you got a lot of great points. Keep them away from me. So getting right. pastors in a room together is, is hard to do yeah. to begin with. But this has been easy. We didn't even advertise the pastor summit in August and we're right. already full. Yeah, wow. And and here's the reason why. If we don't get liberty right, we're gonna be we're gonna be arguing our theological differences from prison. Yeah. Or in caves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so these pastors are coming together and, and it's it's a profound move of God. And the, and Romans eleven is one of the ways that these churches are waking up because Romans eleven, we're provoking them to jealousy, meaning uh, my, 21 years I've been doing the same thing. It's, it's, this isn't new to me. It's not like I changed my message. I've always right. done this. I, I, I uh, you know, let candidates speak in church. Yeah. I, I, I endorse them from the pulpit. Well, I said my sermon. To be, that used to be the way things it's, it's, went. It's, it should still be. Yeah. It, it, and we'll get through that. It, I know we have limited time, but here's, here's the thing that happened. Our church exploded. We grew yeah. over 400%. We baptized more people in a year than the attendance of the church was a year ago. Wow. And these other churches are dying. Yeah. They're, they're, they're struggling. Yeah. And, and the more they double down with the vaccines and the, and the woke stuff, people are leaving. Yeah. Because they see, everyone sees in the, in the, in the, in the lamestream media that it's a narrative that they no longer believe. Yeah. And, and they're listening for truth. And, yeah. the, and the pulpit should be that place. Yeah. So they're gravitating to places that are contending with the narrative. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing all these alternative news sources explode and your show becoming so popular. And that's the same thing with the church. And this is the last thing. When our founders established this nation and, and, and declared who the sovereign of the country would be, first time in 6,000 years of recorded history, 246 years, this nation, a constitutional republic, declared in the preamble of the Constitution, we the people of yeah. the United States. The people are the sovereign. The founders knew that every king needs a counselor and every president needs a cabinet. Yeah. And so they gave, they gave the people a cabinet, counselors in the First Amendment, the freedom of the press, the freedom of the pulpit, the freedom of speech, and the freedom to peaceably assemble for a right of redress of grievances against the government. The press is to report the truth. The pulpits are to proclaim it and the people are to live it. If the press is bought and the pulpits are silent, there's no counselors to the king and we lose our way because liberty must be preserved from the moral law comes civil law. The church yeah. is essential to the, to, the, to the salvation and the protection of the republic. Absolutely. So from a pastoral perspective, yeah. <clears throat> you know, because I say this all the time, but to hear it from a pastor's lips, people that are listening right now, like myself even, the people that see what's going on. Yeah. The people that, you know, I, I've always lived my life where if something's broken, then I just need to go 
do it myself and fix it a better way. There's a lot of people right now that are frustrated with their churches because they see what's going on. They've now left. There's people that God is stirring something in their heart. Maybe that's to become a pastor. Yeah. Maybe that's to become you know, a, a missionary. Maybe it's to become a, a church plant supporter, et cetera. From a pastoral perspective, what does that person that's being stirred by God right now need to do? How does, how does a person that's like, man, this is wrong. I really feel like God's telling me to go do something. How does, how does a person take those next steps? Well, the, the first thing I would say is glean from every program imaginable that you know speaks to your heart. That right. is true. So your show, Charlie Kirk, and you think, well, that's not scriptural. Truth is truth. What, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, meditate on these things. You, you, you have been stirred because you're seeing the contrast of enslavement. Yeah. And God's comes to, God has come to set the captives free. What corner of the stretcher are you going to carry? Right. And how is God going to use you in that capacity? And ask him. The gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. I knew I was to be a minister, even though I was a divisional manager with A.C. Nielsen. <laughs> right. I, I went from a company car and owning a house to living in basically Section 8 housing in a car with 230,000 miles eating, you know, expired food. And that was where I got my BSD degree, the backside of the desert. Yeah. But it was that season that equipped me to do what I'm doing. Right. What I would say is the best training for ministry is just go do something. Right. Get busy. Engage in the process. You're more of a minister than you know. Even <laughs> folks who are even folks who are in the military, Romans 13, they're ministers of justice to execute wrath on those who would do evil. Right. Those who are in 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 law enforcement. The the idea is in America, you 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 govern by the consent of the people and when you are elected or you hold office or your military personnel you swear to defend the constitution because that constitution is the only thing that protects us from the people who have the guns turning them on us the sovereign right and and that's why you have to dust it off and know the constitution know the declaration and read your bible god will speak to you right and then uh, one of the things uh, you probably run into this, Romans 13. Yeah. We're to submit to all positions of authority that are appointed by God. Yeah, they are. I agree. And, and, and pastors would tell me, you're in violation of Romans 13. By the way, the most quoted verse in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, have you ever heard of Jonathan Mayhew? And they're like, no. I go, he was a, he was a minister, died in 1766. John Adams attributed the War of Independence to him. He exegeted Romans 13, and he said, God does appoint all positions of authority. We are to submit to them. But he also said that they're there for our good. When they cease to do good, they cease to be the authority. Right. And he coined this term, which you know, inspired the War of Independence. Disobedience to tyrants is obedience to God. Yeah. The governor says that the church is non-essential. The church is the bride of Christ. Right. I've been married 32 years to Michelle. You tell me, and I don't care how buff you are. I mean, you got muscles in places where I don't have places. <laughs> but you tell me my wife's not essential, Graham. You'll be picking up your teeth with your broken oh, arm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And every pastor should feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, and, and I agree. And I, I've heard you say this a couple times, and I really like it as well. You know, we're, Romans 13, we're supposed to submit, submit to the governing authority or whatever. But here in America, we have a very special authority, and that's we the people, we the people. have the ultimate authority. You, you want to add to that? Go ahead. <laughs> Where I just went on with Romans 13, that they're ministers of justice. They, they don't carry the sword in vain. They're ministers of justice to execute wrath on those who do evil. Yeah. That's the Second Amendment. Yeah, absolutely. That's the right to bear arms. Absolutely. I'm the sovereign of my home. The, the, the government's authority ends where my skin begins. You're not going to inject my children with an experimental mRNA, and I don't care what your legislature decides. I am the steward of my child's life. God ordained it. And you want to come against my religious principles in a nation that was founded on religious freedom? Good luck with that. Yeah. You can put me in jail, but, but I'm not bending. 
Right. Because when the Apostle Paul in Galatians said, stand faster for in the liberty for which Christ has set you free, he wrote that in prison. Yeah. Liberty's doing what's right. There's a lot of Bible verses that were written in prison. No, most of Paul's letters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Liberty is doing what's right. Yeah. Freedom is having choices. Yeah. You don't get choices till you apply liberty. Right. And, and we have to be willing. You got to look at that legal pad of all the consequences and be willing to take whatever they give us. Yeah. And once you realize it and you, you say, I don't care if I lose everything on that legal pad, liberties to my children, my grandchildren is more important than anything. They're, you're no longer afraid. And when you're no longer afraid, there's nothing they can do to you. You're no. free. I, I, I agree with that 100%. To end it out. Yeah. To pastors that may be listening, because yeah. they do. I, they, you know, they write me all the sure time. Sure, they do. What, what is advice to them? If you could give any, because I, I don't believe that all the pastors that haven't been standing up are bad people. No, they aren't. Not I, at all. I, I, some of them, uh, you know, I think have lost their way. But, 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 but I do think that there's a considerable amount of just fear yeah. uh, with pastors. What would your advice be to those pastors? You're, you're, you're not a hireling. Yep. You're a shepherd. Yep. And God has called you not to a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And, and you can't take people where you're not willing to go yourself. Right. And you know that they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. What is the why in what you're doing? Is it a fear of man, which is a snare? Or is it because God has called you to set the captives free? Yeah. Don't cower. You're bigger than that. Yeah. And, and, and listen, conflict is okay. Christ yeah. said, I didn't come to bring a peace, but a sword. Yeah. Where people aren't the enemy, they're the opportunity, but the ideology is the enemy. Contend for it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed. Rightly divide that truth. Right. Get it done. So real quick, I know I said that was the last one, but you just, you just gave me another thing. What would you say to church members that say people like me are incendiary, we're flamethrowing and things like that because we're not afraid to challenge what's being said, what's being done. What would you say to these churches that are like, well, you know, our job is to love everyone, which is not, not true, but, but, but it's almost like they're using that as a crutch yeah. to not talk about the real things that need to be talked about. Yeah, people say, I don't love my neighbor, and I'm exposing I said, I love my neighbor. I love my neighbor, the, the, the abused who've been quarantined with the abusers, the elderly who've died alone, the 65% of businesses that have been shuttered because of this tyrannical rule. And you tell me, I don't love my neighbor. What does it cost you? You don't like the way I'm saying it. Yeah. But nobody asks you to be a pastor. You're a defender, a bodyguard of Western civilization, Graham. And, and, and they may not like the way you deliver. Right. But listen to the content of what you're saying. If you're offended, you have to choose to be offended. It's to a man's benefit to overlook an offense. I would say to them, you're looking for reasons not to listen. Right. And, and God gave you two ears and one mouth. You're a mantle to speak truth, but I would also say to you, speak it in love, meaning they're not your enemy. They're the opportunity. Absolutely. When you're attacking them, give them the benefit of the doubt in the sense that, look, I don't know where they're at, Yeah. but but this is not the way you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And and that'll bring civility to the process. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a good, I think, I think that's a great, a great way to put it. Real quick, where can people go? to see everything you're doing with your church, what you're doing, where can people go to support you? Godspeak.com. Godspeak.com. Yeah, Godspeak. Godspeak.com. Godspeak.com. Yeah. Pastor Rob, I, we love you here. Uh, you're, Graham, you're welcome on the show me. anytime. Uh, you know, I, I got to come check out the church at some point. Red yeah, Rover, yeah, Red Rover, come yeah, on over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's all we have for this episode of the Dear American Podcast. Make sure you're checking out Pastor Rob McCoy. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks and for having it's me. been a blessing, and thank you for everything that you're doing. All right, buddy. Bless Thanks. you. Thanks, brother.